welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch with your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Well, I have a very important show for you today, especially if you have children or grandchildren or no children. (laughs) Um, This is something that you really need to be concerned about, unfortunately, in today's times. Not only um, are things upside down in terms of what kids are being taught in school, but they're upside down in terms of just their safety, how safe they are in school. So today's show is called, Why Do School Administrators Want to Kill Our Kids? And my guest, perfect person to talk about this, is Jared Weisfeld. He is a parent, and he has an amazing story, an unbelievable story, but certainly it's true, to tell you to start this off. But he has, um, before he became a parent and and got involved with um, the safety of kids, He had a very interesting uh, career already. Um, I'll tell you about part of it now, and then I'll tell you the rest of it later. Uh, Jared Weisfeld started his career as a production assistant for VH1, where he pitched and sold a show to rap sensation Old Dirty Bastard and subsequently became his manager. From there, he created and produced television shows for VH1, MTV, Spike TV, and Nickelodeon. Recently, Jared has served as executive producer on Gone Too Soon, which was seen in over 50 countries, Charlie Sheen, Hollywood Black Box, and Chasing Gaga, as well as the unauthorized Saved by the Bell story. So, Jared, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me, Dr. Lieberman. You're welcome. Um your story is, I mean, of course, I, I believe you. It's, it's too complicated. I mean, there's too many t- parts for you to have made this whole thing up. And unfortunately, I actually have had uh, experiences with patients, you know, parents who have told um, similar kinds of stories uh, where their kids were bullied and so on, and absolutely nothing was done. So why don't you start off? I- I'd like to know... Um, how many children do you have? I have two. And how old are they? Uh, they are, I'd rather not say if that's okay. Sure. Are they in elementary school or junior high school? Uh, they are old enough to know right from wrong. How about that? Okay. Fair enough. All right. You want to protect them. That's fine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yes. I mean, that kind of makes the point that we're talking about today, right? Yes. Um, okay. So... So up until you had kids going to school, you probably weren't as aware of what you then found out. So, um, so of course, I want you to start by telling the story. But um, is the the story the classroom that this happened in? I presume was a classroom of one of your children. Uh, no, one of my kids' friends. So, oh, okay. Yeah. So what wound up happening was, uh, so I'm an advocate for school security. I have been for some time now. So before this happened, I had set up a meeting with some school security experts to meet with the board president, the superintendent, 
and uh, the police department. Um, but what happened in this incident was a child brought a, a weapon to school in the morning. Later on that day, uh, the child was uh, trying to po- was prodding a girl with a with a pencil in class. Child was still in school, was prodding a, a, a girl with a pencil in class. And another student said, hey, man, will you just please leave her alone? And the student then wrote on a piece of paper, bucket list, kill this child, kill that child. And then later on that day, um, the kid was on his Google Chromebook tablet um, writing, not killing people. And the school hit it. Writing, not killing people? Not killing people on his Chromebook tablet after he had brought a weapon to school and had created a kill list. I mean, what was that supposed to mean, not killing people? Maybe he had thoughts of killing people and he wanted to Google not killing people. It was important enough that the school hid it from us, but the school notified the police of the incident. So what wound up happening is this incident happened on the, so the the superintendent claims that it wasn't a, a weapon. It was an inappropriate item, but it was a box cutter, which is a weapon. It was used on 9-11. It's used all the time to to hurt people. And there's no reason why a child should have a box cutter in school. So the child um, remained in school. Um, uh, and then the, the police did an investigation. So the police department and the school district are two separate bodies of government. So the police have no say over what happens in the school. Um, the school has to invite the police in. So basically, when you see on the news, all the school shootings, you see the the burden, I mean, the burden go on the police chief and the mayor to discuss what happened. But nobody realizes that they're not allowed in the school. They should really be talking to the superintendent and the board of education because the police need permission to enter schools. You can't just go in there. That's something a lot of people don't know. What? I didn't know that. But what but what about when there's an active shooter? They have to uh, they have they contact the police and then the police go to the school. Uh, so in our district, for example, there's one SRO officer for six schools. So um, he bounces around from school to school. Wow. Um, and then there's a couple of other SLEO 3s officers, three officers. But um, the school actually only pays the Berkeley Heights Police Department twenty five thousand dollars a year for school security um, out of a 60 million dollar budget. That's not enough, really, for one person, unless the person has no training at all. I mean, no, it's it's subsidized from the Berkeley Heights Police Department. So um, so the school only pays twenty five thousand dollars a year to the BHPD for security for the actual buildings on a 60 million dollar budget. And so ironically, so that there was a meeting set up that. So So wait, can I just um, interrupt for a minute? So how did the police department in this instance, know about um, how they know about it if the school didn't do anything? So the school, what they did was the school found the box cutter um, and they gave it to an SRO officer or somebody uh, in the police force 15, 20 minutes later. But what they waited for was on the, the kill list and the Google Chrome search. They waited an entire day before they contacted the police. And in the police report, it says, uh, you know, the, the principal of the school said that um, there was a note that was both threatening and alarming that was on a piece of paper. Yet they waited a whole day yeah. to contact the police. Yeah. Um, and so the parents 
of when, so one of the parents found out when their kid came home and told them that the assistant principal said that, um, you know, something happened in school, explained to him what it was, asked him if he was nervous. He said, yes. Um, He then comes home. She goes, well, you should go home and tell your parents. They're going to be very upset. So he comes home and he tells the parents, the parents reach out to the school on uh, Sunday the school gets back to them on Monday. So the parents had to initiate contact and the school just said um, that, oh yeah, we forgot to tell you. <laughs> and then the parents just said, well, well, the kid's not in school anymore, right? And they said, oh no, 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 no. The kid's in school. And so the parents were like, with our kid? <laughs> and they said, yes. And the parents pulled their kid out of school. And, um, and then they were negotiating with the school and they said, listen, we just want this kid to be removed from the class. And the school said, oh, that's never going to happen. Um, but we'll move your kid out of the class. And the parent was like, I'm never going to let you victim shame my child. Like he did the right thing. And all you're trying to do is punish him and tell him next time, don't do anything because it's just going to ruin your life. Um, and so it took a while for it to resolve itself. And what wound up happening is the the Berkeley Heights Police Department did an investigation and the school district um, didn't really do an investigation, the Berkeley Heights Police Department. All I know is that kid's currently not in school, not because of the actual school district, but because of the Berkeley Heights Police Department. So it it was the person who told the child, who told their parents, was the person who had tried to save the girl or it was the person? Yes. Okay. The kid that tried to save the girl um, wound up on the kill list. And then also, oh, by the way, so it was a bucket list, <laughs> killed the two students. So it was, it was a bucket list that he wrote. Uh-huh. Um, and then later on that day, he wrote, you know, not killing people. Like um, so That to me is a psychiatrist. It seems like... Like he's trying to um, tell himself, like trying to uh, curb his behavior, like don't kill the kids. You know, like he was afraid of himself that he was going to act on it. Yes. And that's what the parents. So the parents didn't know that until they received the police report weeks later Uh um, because the school hid it from the parents. Um, And so the problem that you have here and then simultaneously, ironically, I had this the school security meeting set up uh, with it's, Wayne Black. It is ironic that you did that before this happened. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. Wayne Black um, had spoken at this meeting. Wayne Black is the former personal detail to Donald Rumsfeld and hardened schools, um, temples and churches all across the world. So he's a leading expert on this. And he suggested either $18 walkie talkies um, for the school to purchase or an app. Or, or we t- we discussed an app, right? He said an app that, um, and we uh, an app that exists already, or yeah, it exists. It's called Safer Watch. Uh-huh. Um, he didn't recommend that app. Lori Aladef did. Um, her daughter Alyssa died in Parkland, and um, she created something called Alyssa's Law, um, where there's panic buttons in every school where the law has been passed. Huh. And so basically, we have this conversation, right? Everybody's excited. So afterwards, when, when Wayne left, I said, so why don't we implement this? They go, we can't afford it. I'm like, what do you mean you can't afford it? It's, it's not that much. It's de minimis. And they said, we can't afford it. And I said, well, how many kids are? And then I did the numbers and I was just like, I'll pay for it. 
I'll do a pilot program for one year, I'll pay for it personally. And if it doesn't work, no harm, no foul. But if it does work, you then have to roll it out to the schools district-wide, it's a pilot program. And they said that sounded great. And then I went so far as to say, and if you're not able to get the money, right, come back to me in a year and say, hey, this, this is really working, we really need it, but we can't find the funding for it. And I said, I'll pay for it for an additional two years until you guys get your act together. Um, That's all very generous of you. (laughs) Yeah. And so what wound up happening was um, the school declined my. So I I decided the walkie talkies were a bad idea because teachers were going to break them. They weren't going to turn them on. It was going to be a pain. But when you have an app, you're more likely to push a button and the, the, the phones will be charged. Um, and so they declined my donation based on equity. Um, and what is that even? I'm so tired of hearing that word. What does that even mean? Uh, the I mean, what, way, the, what did they mean? How did they use it when they were referring to you? So I was only um, donating the app to one school as a pilot program. And so the other schools in the district weren't getting the same uh, the same exact app. They weren't getting anything, right? Because it was a pilot program. And yeah. so they, they said it was non-equitable because it wasn't available for everybody. And that's where we had, that's where we had a problem. And so they said, we can't, uh, you know, it's not equitable, but we, we'll take your money, your donation, and we'll put it towards school security. And I just said, yeah, that's not gonna happen um, at their own discretion. So what I decided to do was I decided to uh, make a donation. I'm making a donation to uh, a school that will allow every person in my town, as well as school teachers, administrators, the ability to learn about school safety prevention. So I put my money towards that program so that everybody in the town can learn. But instead of having the Berkeley Heights School District deal with it, um, the Berkeley Heights Police Department is going to oversee it. Oh, uh huh. That was a good. So it actually happens. Uh huh. And well, now we have three minutes to break. So, um, you know, I I don't think you can talk about the whole thing yet. But um, this in this program, what I'll ask you when we come back, what they're going to learn. You know, what parents are going to learn. But um, that you must have felt so incredibly frustrated. Are your kids still going to this school district? Uh, yeah, they they are currently in the school district. Um, I, you know, I'm a big believer in public school. I think it builds character. Um, but at the same time, I also believe that public school needs to be safe. Um, and the fact that this school in particular, th- this district in particular, doesn't take school safety sec- um, seriously um, is troublesome to me. And also the fact that you have a police department that's doing everything they can to protect children. So one thing is the school um asked the, one of the children how he felt and he was I'm scared like I wait, like wait, the kid I don't brought, want, wait that's important so I want you to hold on to that until we come back um because we need to take a break I just uh I, I I hate to have you stop talking. My, my guest today is Jaris, Jared Weisfeld, and the title of our, our show today is called Why Do School Administrators Want to Kill Our Kids? And you have gotten a little hint about uh, from this story about why that might be. Actually, I'm going to ask you more about why you, why you think that that is. I mean, clearly, 
It's an example of how they do do things that um, put our kids in more danger, but I'm going to ask you why. So stay tuned. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch. As I said, my guest today is Jared Weisfeld. Um, And when we come back, we will hear more about why school administrators want to kill our kids. So stay tuned. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Follow the Voice America Variety Channel on Twitter. Our hosts always have something to say, and we know that you do too. We tweet on today's hot topics, and you're welcome to follow us. Speak up and join in at Voice AM Variety. That's at Voice AM Variety. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And we're talking today about why do school administrators want to kill our kids? And my guest and his... um, Obviously, you know, it's not just apparently it's not just your personal experience with the school, but you've been interested in this for a while, school safety. Um, Jared is currently the CEO of Objective Entertainment, which is a full service literary agency. And he's currently the president of Start Publishing, a publisher of high quality titles in a variety of niches, including science fiction, fantasy, thrillers and advice how to. He also has overseen the acquisition over eight publishing companies. Uh, Start Now has a backlist of over 6,000 titles and is distributed by Simon & Schuster. So basically he is um, (laughs) the king of publishing. So let's get back back to, um, to the story. You know, I think it makes it very... You know, you were obviously, as you were saying before, you were interested in school security before this incident happened. But um, 
But it really, you know, ha- having had this incident, and you know, you know about this incident, there probably were many other incidents in that school yes. similar to that, but that you just didn't because of, you know, you didn't know the parent or whatever that you didn't hear about at the time. No, um, I knew about a lot of them. Oh, did you? Oh, is that yeah. why you had set up the meeting in the first place then? Yes. I see. Okay. All right. Because I knew a lot of them. Um, the problem is, is the schools don't notify parents on a mass scale. So I imagine um, if you had children, um, you would want to know that there was a child that brought a weapon to school, created a, a kill list, and then simultaneously wrote not killing people on his uh, Chromebook. Yes, yes I, I imagine would. you as a parent would want to know that that child was in school with yours. Um, and they didn't notify anybody. And that's why I spoke at that board meeting was so that parents had the right to know what was going on in their school district. And part of the thing I didn't uh, tell you was that um, there was a local reporter there did an article from tap into Berkeley Heights. Yes. Article. The superintendent was very upset with the article because she called it an item, uh, inappropriate item to have brought to school, probably not knowing I knew it was a box cutter. And she decided uh, to leak my emails to the press completely unredacted um, that said where my children go to school. Oh, oh my God. Yeah. That, you know, my wife's personal email, some other personal nobody should know. Yeah, she she was in. And then she actually said that she sent me an email, which she didn't, that she created that morning, uh, apparently um, sent to a reporter as well. So. Um, so yeah, so she, that's part of the reason why as well, that I don't want anybody knowing what school uh-huh. it's go to uh-huh. is because it's been leaked to a reporter. Now, one thing we can say, I mean, I, is that this, we're talking about, <coughs> excuse me, we're talking about a school in New Jersey. I mean, that's, yep. that's innocent enough. I mean, you know, um, you know, you could take legal action against that woman. Have you thought of that? Oh yeah, of course. Have you done that or are you going to do that? Uh, haven't done it yet, um, but um, there's a very good chance I will because the Board of Education refuses to act. So um, I'm going to have to act for them because it's not just my kids that are in that school. There's 2,500 kids that are in the school district as a whole. Um, so I'm doing this on behalf of all 2,500 children, not just my kids. Um, And so something has to be done. If the Board of Education is not going to do it, I'm going to just have to do it for them. Um, And I'm going to have to expose what's going on in that school. Um, And if that's what I have to do, so be it. Well, yes, I totally agree with you. Now, let's get back to some of the things that you started before I unfortunately had to uh, cut you off for the break. Um, but you were starting to tell a story about that some child was being asked, how do you feel? Yeah. So the child was being asked, how do you feel? And the child said, I'm scared, um, because the kid had a knife. Um, and, the the assistant principal just said, oh, or, or somebody, um, with the assistant principal, whoever it was, just said something, oh, we're going to do our best to try and keep you safe. (laughs) Um, and, uh, you know, the kid was obviously confused, especially when they said, go home and tell your parents you are going to be very angry. Yeah. So the kid went home, told his parents, his parents were very confused because they're, why didn't the school call us? Um, and it turns out on Monday, the school had, uh, when the parents called the school had said it wasn't a, a kill list, but it was more of a statement 
the kid had made a statement. Wow. But when the parents got the, the police report, it said that the, you know, that the, the principal called and said that there was alarming and threatening um, words written on a piece of paper. So clearly the principal thought it was a big deal. Um, and the assistant principal was tra- probably trying to downplay it because she was the one that was supposed to call the parents and notify them. She huh. forgot. She forgot? She forgot, yeah. Wow. Um, and so parents, obviously the like, kid was... To get fired over this. Like, how do you just forget to tell parents? Yes. You know, because theoretically, um, there's only two people um, that can say whether or not their kids are, they feel like their kids are safe in school. And that's a mother and a father, or in some cases, maybe one parent, a mother or, or a father. But the, I mean, it's, it's not up to the school to decide it's up to the parents. And if the parents aren't given the proper information, then how can they decide whether or not their children are safe? Um, this is Loudoun County 2.0. Um, and mm-hmm. we really need to protect mm-hmm. our children. Yes. Um, so what are the things that some of the things that the parents are going to learn in the program that you are that's going to happen through the police department and that you are, have donated to? So they'll learn about um, just regular conversations at the dinner table, like listening to what your kids say and trigger trigger warnings about something that's going on in school. So if the kids say, oh, so-and-so said this or so-and-so did that. So they have an idea, more awareness of, of things that are going on at the dinner table. They'll also know like when they go to pick up their kid from school, things to look for um, as well when they're picking their kids up from school. And simply having regular conversations with your children to find out what's actually going on at school. So it's about a two and a half hour program. Mm. Um, and uh, anything I can do to help um, I'm more than willing to do, uh, you know, money is no object when it comes to children's safety in my eyes. So, I mean, we're talking about, for example, the, the app that I referenced was literally $3,500. So the school didn't have $3,500 out of a $60 million budget to pay for an app. I had to do that myself. And then I had to be told that they wouldn't take it because it was non-equitable. But now, wait, the $3,500, that would pay for, like, how many people could have the app for that? The entire school. Uh Uh-huh. Every teacher, every administrator. You know what the app does? You push a button if there's a shooter. uh, You push a button when there's a shooter, and it gives the police live video feed. So they know exactly where it is and where the shooter is so that they have better intel. Every teacher and every school administrator should have that all over. Yeah, they should. It should be everywhere. As well as two-way walkie-talkies so that you could have direct access. Yes, yes. So, um, walkie-talkie should be first and the app should be a backup, but they're both deterrents. So I don't understand why people wouldn't want deterrents. Um, and it's it's like... People don't like hearing this, but it's true. The only thing that stops a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you have a bad guy with a gun coming into your school and you don't have a good guy there to protect the children, nothing good is going to happen, especially when the police aren't on the premise premises. So, like I said, um, when you see the police and the mayor having to speak, it should really be the superintendent and the board of education. Mm-hmm. That's who should be speaking. Mm-hmm. Because the yeah. police... Their, their, their hands are tied. 
Because how could you stop something when you can't go in the building? So it's like I always say, when you have a, when the school has a plumbing issue, you call a plumber. When they have an electricity issue, right? They call an electrician. But when they have a school safety issue, they call no one. Okay, so why do you think, here's the $64,000 question. Why do you think that school, so, you know, you took away the money problem. Why do you think school administrators don't want this? Because it was my idea, it wasn't theirs. Um, Or because they feel as though the public might not like it. Or, you know, they don't want help. Part of the problem is, is that, you know, with this particular app, there's direct access with the police department. And so there would be checks and balances here. So the police department would know every time somebody pushed that button. Yeah. And they would have more intel. And the school doesn't want the police having more intel. To know how dangerous their school is. To know exactly how dangerous their school is because the police would act. I believe that's the real reason why they don't want that app. Uh-huh. Now, what about, um, I don't know what the ethnic makeup is of the school that you're talking about, but, you know, every time the the word equity is used, it usually has something to do with race. Um, was in, this, in the story that you told, the boy with the box cutter, uh, was he a, a minority? Yes. He was a person what, of color. Yeah. What a surprise. Um, and, and what about the victims? Uh, one was well, the victim uh, and then the one who tried to save her. One was a Caucasian. Uh, the other one as well was, uh, was a person of color. Uh, huh. um, was the one who tried, was the girl, was the girl victim, a person of color, a person of color. Yeah. Yes. I, okay. So. So do you th- how do you think that race plays into this? I think the way it plays into it potentially is um, there's a member of the Board of Education that is, uh, I, I mean, I could be completely wrong, but I think there's a member of the Board of Education um, that um, was more forthcoming with one of the parents than with the other. Um, and I think that might have... Um, I think race might have been an issue in that case, uh-huh. in my opinion. So I think part of the part of the thing is that, for example, the the young uh, the, the the boy that that helped the girl out, um, the parents weren't getting any information. They were being completely shut out. Um, but the girl's parents, rightfully so was getting information mm-hmm. but the the boy's parents reached out to the same board member that was giving information mm-hmm. to the the victim's mother but the but the child uh that uh tried to i mean did help the girl out um those parents were not getting any uh return uh responses from that parent mm. um and even when i i spoke at the board meeting one board member reached out to me the rest of them nothing and the one that i'm referencing in particular actually got up to get take a water break while i was speaking (laughs) Um, so i mean i don't know it is what it is but 
you know, I'm not going anywhere. So, I mean, they uh, well, they mess with the wrong parent. Well, let me. Um, My wife's a pit bull, by the way. Yeah. I'm like, I'm like one of those little fluffy dogs. <laughs> the, my wife is the pit bull in the household. So. so does she speak out too at these meetings? No, she definitely doesn't speak. You don't want her speaking out. No. <laughs> well, what? How is she using her pit bullness in this regard? How are you making use of it? Uh, she's giving me advice uh-huh. on how to handle it, um, and uh, you know, uh, a bond between a mother and their children is a very deep bond because, you know, they actually gave birth to the child. Um, So I take her advice on everything. And, uh, and so she's, she's the one that's told me that um, I should, I should speak out aggressively. And so, um, has she, has she doesn't, (laughs) I think she doesn't for good reason. Right. Because, um, you know, she, uh, the identity. She doesn't want people to have a more of an idea of who the children are. Is that why? Yeah, and also she's, um, you know, she's more uh, behind the scenes. I've, you know, I've been in the the public since I'm 23 years old, mm-hmm. so it's more my thing. But yeah. um, I take her advice um, all the time. Well. Um, let me tell you about um, why I think, and I, I've been predicting this for, uh, well, I've been talking about school shooters for years, um, and like what makes a school shooter and, um, you know, so on. And, and you know, when Columbine happened, and I talk out about, uh, in particular, I talk out about, I was the head of the National Coalition on TV Violence. And I testified before Congress about media violence, you know, television, um, film. Uh, and then when video games came, video games, which are, are the worst. Just so and- you know, I, uh, I saw and read all about that um, when it actually happened. All about uh, when you were when you spoke. I'm oh, very familiar. Yeah. I'm very familiar with it. And not because okay. I Googled you or anything. I'm just familiar with the subject. Well, are you, are you familiar with my stopping the Schwarzenegger rocket? No, I'm not familiar with that. <laughs> um, I'm familiar with um, what you what you uh, did back then. Um, uh-huh. I was about if I had to take a Let's guess. Let's not say how old you anything, were. <laughs> without you saying anything, I bet you it was like twenty five ish years ago that I was the head of the NCTV. Um, well, let's see. 1993 was um, the Schwarzenegger rocket. So seven and so it was even a little more than that. Um, yeah. But anyhow, not that I, and I was two at the time. I was very precocious. Okay. Um, the Schwarzenegger rocket, just to take a quick aside, um, there was supposed to be, there was a NASA rocket that was supposed to go up in 93 and it had on it um, 10 uh, it was funded by 10 different private industries and they wanted to send up certain things on the rocket to do experiments um, for their industries to, you know, for how that would to get information that would help them for their industry. And um, they, it was, it was Columbia, Sony and Columbia. And uh, that was, well, NASA said that they would sell the outside of the rocket 
for an ad because they were this was privately funded and they needed money. And so they had an auction, a bidding process, and Sony and Columbia won. And they were going to promote Last Action Hero uh-huh. on the outside of the rocket. And I read that in the newspaper. And I went nuts because, first of all, it's pretty tacky to put an ad on the outside of a NASA rocket to begin with. But to um, to advertise a violent movie, I thought was just outrageous. So bottom line, I did a uh, I did a campaign for about three, four months and uh, got people to call and write and fax and so on. The president, NASA, uh, Schwarzenegger's publicist and Sony Columbia. And I ended up, there were so many people who did that, that I stopped the rocket because um, because the people, the companies didn't want to be associated with a rocket that got such bad publicity. So that is one of my proudest moments. And I'll continue when we come back from the break telling you how that relates, you know, what violence, media violence has to do with um, school shooters. So. Uh, we need to take a break. The, uh, we're talking today about why do school administrators want to kill our kids. My guest is Jared Weisfeld, and we will be right back. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Tune into the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. We're with you wherever Alexa and Google are. At home, in the car, on your smart TV, and your connected devices. Hey, Alexa. Hey, Google. Play my favorite Voice America podcast on TuneIn. It's just that easy. But make sure you actually mention the name of the podcast show to make it work. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show. Here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch, where we're talking today about why do school administrators want to kill our kids? With my guest, Jared Weisfeld, um, 
who has his own personal experience, but as we've just been talking about, he was interested in this topic and concerned about kids' safety even before the particular incident that um, that it was the uh, trigger for his uh, offering to volunteer to pay for things that would help the school and which the school rejected. Um, you know, when, when that article came out, um, about this whole story. I have it here. Berkeley Heights parent says school security grossly understaffed. Um, did did you get more parents who wanted to join with you to do something about this? So I did get more parents. Um, parents were contacting me, um, but they're more of they don't like being in front. They like being behind. Yes. So um, they weren't willing to come out publicly. Hmm. Um so which is fine with me because i have no problem doing it um but i said to everybody you know your voice is your power so if you believe strongly in it then you should go to a board meeting you should you know write the board the superintendent right um let your voice be heard because i'm just one person um and i'm not going anywhere but um yeah i mean i've been getting a lot of a lot of positive feedback and a little bit of negative feedback from people that, you know, believe that school security is, uh, you know, there should be no security in schools um, because they don't want anybody to get triggered and create a jail type environment. Um, but um, you always get a couple of those, uh, um, a couple of those yeah. people that believe that, uh, you know, they, they, for some reason they have this in their head that SRO officers are there to arrest kids and search them, but they yeah. don't do that. Uh Um, All they do is they protect the students from an outside threat. The last thing they want to do is create a bad environment with children, because the whole point is to create also a bonding moment where kids become more comfortable with the police. Yes, yes, yes. At the beginning, you know, when that whole concept of school security officers was introduced and the idea of people, you know, whether it's police or these officers or somebody, teachers, there was a, it was floated teachers uh, should carry guns and so on. This was years ago. And at the beginning, I was against that. But now that school shooters um, have become so much more prevalent, um, I think that something or some combination of these things that we've been talking about has to happen. Now, I was starting to say before the break about why um, why school shooters, why this has increased and uh, how this relates to violent media. Well, first of all, um, I was saying I, I was working on this from before the time that, that uh, Columbine happened. And the reason why I know that as a sort of a... Um, an anniversary kind of date is because I had been doing it for a number of years, um, talking about violent media and how that, what the studies have shown, uh, NCTV did studies, but there were studies starting in the 50s of um, how the more violence that somebody consumes, more violent media, television, uh, movies, any kind of, we also worked with um, music, rap music and, uh, and, and dolls like G.I. Joe and things like that. The more of these things that people that kids especially consume 
the more, or really anybody, but it's especially effective with kids, the more violent they become, the more aggressive they become. And not everybody becomes a a serial killer, but we are seeing more aggression in our society. We have been over the years, you know, um, arguing over a parking spot or on a plane or, you know, domestic violence, those kinds of things. And so now in particular, Um, Since we had two years approximately where we were in lockdown, what did kids do in lockdown? They spent more hours than ever on their computer playing violent video games. And so that's why I predicted when the the lockdowns were over, that kids were going to come out ready for bear that they train, just like the U.S. military trains on these violent video games. Kids would have been training on them and would come to school, become school shooters. And then other people, um, kids and, and grownups would be, there would be more mass killers in general. And there's a term for this um, called bedroom terrorists. I got that from um, English, British um, newspapers because there was an incident where um, a terrorist, a radical Islamist terrorist um, killed a public official. And um, they called it, a, and they used that term, bedroom terrorist, because meaning that the people, all of us, have been in our bedrooms, so to speak, our homes, um, spending more hours online and um, many of us on violent video games. So that is why this issue, this problem of school shootings has never been more urgent. Uh, the, you know, Finding a solution to it has never been more urgent than today. Yeah. Um, I don't know that school districts in particular, I think they're more worried about their brand than they are about the safety of children. I think it's a branding thing because you want to be branded as like a safe school that doesn't need um, any officers or any security. Um, But everybody needs if you look, majority of these um, school shootings are happening in nice neighborhoods across across the country. They're not happening in happening in the urban neighborhoods. They're happening in nice neighborhoods across the country where you have a kid whose parents aren't really paying attention to them and they're doing all this crazy stuff in their basement or going on the internet and the parents aren't checking what the kids are doing and so these kids are turning into lunatics i mean some of them kill cats some of them you know uh are sitting there with guns in their basement um parents parents know what their kids are up to and if they don't they're a bad parent so these things could all be uh, mitigated. And, and to be honest with you, the biggest problem that I have is that everybody talks about mental health, especially with children in school, but they don't want to do anything about it, right? So the schools, they, they don't care, right? So if a kid has an issue, right? These kids start with issues in say kindergarten and then it escalates in second grade and then fourth grade. And then by the time they're in seventh grade, they're disasters in ninth grade and then 11th grade, right? It festers. And if you don't help that kid early on, absolutely, all you're doing, and, and by the way, there are no consequences anymore. So you have this kid doing this in kindergarten. It's like, oh, you've been a bad boy um, or a bad girl. Go watch a five minute video on bullying. <laughs> you know, it's second grade, right? They're starting to pound kids in the face. Oh yeah, that, that's not very good. You should do what, uh, you should go watch another video. And then in fourth grade, they're doing something like maybe they're bringing a weapon to school. And then in sixth grade, maybe they're creating 
you know, whatever. And then in eighth grade, they got yeah. kill lists. In 11th grade, they're bringing we- uh, weapons. To sc- I mean, it could have been stopped in kindergarten. Yes. They yes. choose was- not to. There is the same pattern for every school shooter and every mass shooter. And of course, it starts with a a dysfunctional home and with a child who's neglected or abused. And so they are the ones who are most likely to spend more time on the violent video games because um, they don't have a parent paying attention to them. They get bullied in school because bullies have radar for um, knowing which kids are are most vulnerable. Um, And then and then the uh, then then. You know, to the extent that a parent or a school refers a child to a mental health professional, like the kid up in um, in in New York, in upstate New York, you know, who shot the people in the grocery store, um, they brought him to, because he he had been. Well, he had been ordering all kinds of weapons and so on to his home and his parents weren't paying any attention. And then um, and then he I'm trying to remember. Oh, in in class, they asked, what are you going to do after graduation? And he said something about killing to um, being becoming a mass killer. And so they referred him to a psych emergency room and um, he was kept there. I don't even think they kept him overnight. And that happens a lot of the times. I mean, first of all, most of the time they don't even refer the kids to some kind of psychiatric help but when they do even parkland for example um they you know his mother called the police many many times after he hurt animals and so on and they did not all the time but they sometimes brought him to a psych emergency room and they didn't keep him they should have uh, admitted him kept him against his will and you know not just for a day or two or three but for enough time to change him and and so it's partly the fault of psychiatrists as well. And I mean, this is a real, a real, real problem. Um, so how do you, levels. a kid like the, the kid from Parkland, right? Um, how do you, um, how long, so let's just say he, he, you know, he was doing all those things, right? They obviously couldn't determine in a day that the kid was okay. Um, how much time, most schools, um, in New Jersey, at least, they have a 10-day window where they're giving they give the kids an education for 10 days, um, regardless of whether or not like they want 10 days to figure out and do an investigation and see if it is safe for that child to return to school, uh-huh. um, because they they want the child to get the the help he needs and they want to know like what is going on and they have you know assess teams. Um, they have all kinds of things. Um, so Do how they long- want the child to be in a psych hospital for 10 days or where in t- for 10 days? No, no. They, they want the child to be out of school for 10 days so that they could figure out whether or not it's safe for that child to return. OK. A lot of schools don't don't use that to their benefit, but it makes sense because you don't want a kid that does that to go, let's say, to some random hospital and then wind up. Right. Um, back at school, because the hospital is like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. here's a note. Go about your, uh-huh. your day. Right. 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 They want a longer period of time. And during that 10 day period, they try and figure out, well, what's in the best interest of all the kids? Yes. Um, and so that that's not used as frequently as it should be, because if a, if a child brings a weapon to school, for example, um, child obviously has intentions. And so, you know, that child needs a lot more time than you know, 45 minutes or, you know, a day with a psychiatrist, right? Right. They clearly have issues um, and they're deep issues. And so 
I would imagine you're a psychiatrist. I'm not, but I imagine you can't get that out of a kid in 24 hours. No, absolutely not. And, you know, if a kid is bringing, let's just say a kid brings a box cutter to school, that is a sign that um, he is feeling uh, frightened, angry, paranoid, um, it could be a whole bunch of different things. I mean, you know, clearly there are it does, one thing is that there are clearly problems at home, um, you know, that are making him feel that way. And whether he has something deeper, like perhaps the beginnings of, of schizophrenia or, or bipolar or something that could be possible, too. But so, yes, I think that 10 day rule is a good rule if they stick to it. And also if they really try to have him the child be examined um, a lot during that 10 day period. Um, you know, psychiatrists don't use the involuntary um, commitment enough. You know, as I was saying, Parkland is the best example of that. I mean, so many times he should have been involuntarily hospitalized. Um, well, we only have about three minutes left, so I will Leave it to you what you would like to. Oh, actually, we have less than that. <laughs> we have two minutes left. What would you like to say? Where should people go? Would you want to send them to a website? Website? Uh, no, they could. They could, you know, go online, learn more about your schools Bef before you decide to move um, to a school district. I, I suggest you go on YouTube and watch a school board meeting, or a couple of them to see um, the neighborhood you're moving in, whether or not it's a neighborhood that you have the same values and beliefs as. Because um, school, so if you take school security um, seriously, like I do, and you watch a YouTube video, you can see where the school stands on school security. Or, you know, if you have other interests, right, you can see where they stand on that. So I suggest before you move anywhere, um, watch YouTube videos of that place's board meetings, because that'll tell you a lot about the town. And when you hear, especially the question and answer session where, or the question set, or, you know, the comment section, when, when parents come up and they speak, um, you'll see where the parents' minds are too. Um, Cause they'll be upfront and they'll say, hey, listen, we have a problem with school security. I don't like the way they're doing math. I don't like the way they're doing science. So before you decide to move somewhere, do the due diligence and figure out, is that the place I wanna live? Are those the kinds of people that I wanna- um, yeah, that's very good. Very good advice. I, I never thought of that. That's that's really good. Well, thank you so much, Jared Weisfeld. Um, this has been very illuminating. And um, and thank you all for listening. You've been listening to Dr. Carol's Couch. And I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat.